If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Hello. Um, unfortunately, we seem to have a, a slight challenge with Ira Adam Kareem's line. Um, we will wrap up at this point. George Adu Jr. is standing by to bring us the locker room or to take us into the locker room, if I can say. George, uh, first of all, congratulations once again on that uh, sixth NSMQ trophy annexed by Presbyterian Boys Senior High School in Legon. Yeah, thank you very much. We've actually stopped talking about six. We are preparing to win seven. But thank you so much, the whole of Ghana, for believing in us once again and knowing that we are the touchbearers. Thank you. Second question. Ghana has been walloped 3-0 by Mali. Yes, please. At the Emir Hotel Sports Complex, Antalya, Turkey. Yes. And this is the, the friendly match everyone was talking The friendly match going. just ended. It just ended, actually. And they beat us 3-0. So guess what? Our first discussion here in the locker room is to find out from the guys what their observations are. This is Siki's first job uh, since he took over <coughs> as Black Stars coach. And he's lost by three goals today. Did Pate play? Pate played. Pate played? All your players that you expect him After to After the party we held for him this week. But this is not us now, please. This is Black Stars. Hey... Okay, stay stay tuned for the locker room. There's a lot to come. We'll talk about the NBA, you know, finals later tonight. The LA Lakers may they may just win it. You they know, will, right? they will win the, the French they Open. Are th- there are two games up. French, yes, of course. Mm. Uh, the French, one game away, in fact, because it's three one in the, in the yeah. Right? It's three one in there. So once they hit four one, they're series. done. And of course, there's a French Open to talk about as well. We've got the finals looking really, really good with that 19 year old hoping to win her first Grand Slam. And uh, what else? We have got a lot of football. Plus, what's happening elsewhere in Europe? All right. So you don't want to miss the locker room coming up next with George Adi Jr. My name is Daniel Dazit. Many thanks to Mano Kranting for the production assistants and everyone else. Have a good evening.
Hello, this is Morris, and I say keep on listening to Joe 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 Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Tennis is top of the weekend sporting agenda as the final Grand Slam of the year culminates with so much talk about the male and female singles finals. That's been the story of my career. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. I took a year and a half off for, for a baby. So I don't know. It's like I, I'll never be satisfied until until I retire. What a great point to win it. After 12 days of action in Paris and the exit of many top stars in the competition, it's time to crown the most deserving tennis players in France. It's Sofia Kenning up against the Poland teenager Iga Swiatek in the final. The male final pairing will be complete soon and will be in France to bring you analysis ahead of both finals. There's basketball as well on the menu as we head into Game 5 of the 2020 NBA Final Series. Down 0-2 being dominated. Most people talking about it looks like it's going to be a sweep. But they're saying we are not done yet. It'll be a 24-second violation. Morris inbounds to Caruso. And letting for three. In and out, won't go. The tip misses. The second tip from Hayward is good. We'll get it to Butler. And Butler is fouled with one piece. Ball deflected. And that's it. The Miami Heat take a commanding 3-1 lead. The LA Lakers can wrap up the 2020 NBA title tonight if they can better their 3-1 lead in the clash against the Miami Heat. Round the Bible in Disney World to preview the game five. Also coming up. It's lights out and away we go. So Hamilton gets away well, as does Max Verstappen this week. But Valtteri Bottas is already ahead of him. And Danny Ricciardo slots in the fourth. And Esteban Ocon has made up places from the start as well. It's a long run down towards turn two. Plenty of time to sort themselves out. Bottas is going round the outside of Lewis Hamilton. But he has to go wide against the Red Bull. The only man to be on the podium in the last three Russian Grand Prix. He's on the podium this afternoon. And it's the top step of the podium as Valtteri Bottas wins the Russian Grand Prix. Formula One, and we're in Germany for the Eiffel Grand Prix. It will be the second chance Lewis Hamilton gets to equal Michael Schumacher's win record, and there's arguably no better place to do it than at the seven-time champion's home ground. Analysis ahead. International football replaces club football, and there are friendlies and scattered organized confederation games to look forward to tonight. If you'd love to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts, joy slash 997 0551-111-997 on WhatsApp or tweeted us at JoySportsGH. We'll be in the U.S. to preview Emmanuel Navarrete's attempt to become a two-weight world champion as he challenges for the vacant WBO featherweight title left behind by Shako Stevenson and in Poland for the World Health Marathon. It's time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adler Jr. and welcome.
Amanda Gray. Good evening to you wherever you find yourself. Well, yes, it's now time to get into the analysis that we've got. There's a lot of tennis to come. Yes, I told you we have an idea of what the female singles finals is looking like there. Yeah, Iga Swantek is actually hoping to win and beat Sofia Kenning. But for the male division, Rafa Nadal has just uh, defeated Diego Schwartzman in three sets to move on. Uh, anyway, the third set, he had to do it over a tiebreaker, but it's all good. Novak Djokovic as well is going so strong at the moment, is leading by two sets against Stefano Tsitsipas. It looks like it's going to be Rafa Nadal up against Novak Djokovic on Sunday for the French Open final. A big opportunity for Novak to get his 18th Grand Slam title and for Rafa Nadal to equal that record that uh, Roger Federer has of 20 Grand Slam titles. We'll be looking for to all of that we'll be talking a little bit about that there's NBA to come there is a lot of football to come but we really need to start with what we just saw the Black Stars are preparing for the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers and you know the Ghana has a date with Sudan later well uh, in trying to do that there was a game against Mali the first of two friendlies to come in a few days and yeah Ghana lost there by three goals to nail we're going into a bit of analysis right now with what we just saw Okay, guys, you know what? After the game, I posted on my Facebook page. In six minutes, I had over a hundred comments. I'm yet to find out what's uh, what's next there. I don't know how I can read a hundred comments. We're going to be doing this for 15 minutes. But I tell you that uh, Fan Zone is going to take this up strongly. And I've got the host of Fan Zone here with me, Hans Mensa Ado. Hans, how are you doing? Hey, George, I'm dreading. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you are going through your <laughs> you are going through your notes in what's going to happen on your you, show I'm, later I'm tonight. Dreading the. The amount of phone calls and messages that are going to come through tonight yes, on the show. Obviously, Hans, you know. Hans joins me. He's going to be telling telling me about uh, what he saw. We'll hear from Hans later when we get to the Navarrete, you know, Ruben Villafai. It's interesting. Michael as well has been watching the game. We'll hear from him what he made of, um, you know, Siki's first attempt to try and grab all of this. We'll be on the Sports Link as well to talk about it tomorrow. And I think on the Sports Review as well. It's big meat for discussion uh, this weekend. Hans, so let me start with you. I think along the line we'll be joined by Rick Wampoff as well. But Hans, let me start with you. Uh, three goals to nail. What were your expectations first going into this game? Well... I mean, I think my expectations were modest. You know, I kept it quite low because it's the first time that Siki Akono is taking charge of the team. Mm. Again, we're going to see a lot of new faces around the team as well. And so, um, you know, I didn't expect a high-level performance. Um, when you've got that many new players in the team, that many young players, you know, getting into the team for the first time, you know, you, you can't expect too much. Um, so, yes, I mean, modest mm. expectation. Um, I didn't expect free-flowing football because, you know, those are the team that has, has had the assembling. time to build yes. cohesion, yes, right. you know. But what I felt that they were going to lack in cohesion, I expected them to make up for adequately in um, their work ethic, mm. you know, or how much work they put in, how much shift uh, they put in on the night. Mm. Unfortunately, we, we didn't see that. Mm. Um, we didn't see the team create a lot of chances, which is understandable because they are not playing... Um, they don't know themselves that much, That's you right. know. The, the question is not there. You mm. need to be able to know yourself and, and and be creative to be able to break down defenses, such as uh, the sort of mean defense that Mali, you know, put up on the day. So that was understandable. But what we did not see in coercion, um, creativity, we also didn't see it in hard work. Mm. It, it simply was not there. The, the work rate 
was just not good enough. There was an aura of arrogance about the team. Well, we had the black stars, I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, we've got Andre Didier, we've got Jordan Ayew, we've, we've got, got Thomas Partey, Thomas Partey yeah. you know, who just signed for us now. And the Malians were all business, were all hard work, and crucially, they took their chances. Let me do a few of the messages that have come through right now. And some of you uh, have messages that has a lot of sarcasm right in them. A lot of sarcasm there. Okay, so l- l- let me just do this right now. Now, this is coming in from Beneza Ato. He says, uh, fantastic performance. Well done. Kotoko rejected coach. And Ghana's uh, hope, Dede, I-, I salute you, okay? What a Kotoko style of play. I don't know who else is coming. It's just a party of the day. This is full of sarcasm, is it? Now, Kofi Chum says that this team can't win a cup for Ghana. Isn't it too early? He's not talking about that anyway. Uh, undedicated from... Oh, yes, undedicated performance from all players. Party had only one shot. Attackers were poor. The keeper, the, uh, this should be his last time in the goalpost. All 50 50 balls were won by the Malians. The left back was bad. Wow. Now, with Bowie says, Well, it's a friendly game, and our boys took, I mean, look absolutely rusty. So it's a deserved and fair result for you. Uh, Shakur Isa Fabio says, Yeah, he really has a lot of work to do. No game plan. Can't hold the ball, you know, for two good minutes. Couldn't win tackles. The midfield of Ghana Black Stars generation after generation has been fantastic. Fantastic, and it appears that Kuno wants to build this tactic system, uh, you know, on the laterals and wings, which can help Ghana at all. That's what you're saying. Uh, Carl Binya says, we could have offered Legon Botanical Gardens to them to play if we knew this is what they were going to do. Hey, Charlie, this is truly Black Star so, hey, they, These boys have not met. They haven't done. Hey. Now, Dan, last a lot. Um, someone says, I think um, the T's in CK's letter are being crossed and the I's are being dotted. The Marlins were just goal shy. They could have scored more goals. That's even what you're saying. <laughs> goal shy. Yeah, said we're goal shy. <laughs> so uh, they could have even scored more goals if they wanted to. Our house and Redwan says, Formation was very poor. We appeared, you know, scared in the match. The formation outweighed ours. Mohammed Hadi Olumbe says, How can you bring back the love when you are playing like JHS students? Aish! <laughs> and the scope not being because as well done black stars we ended up like Chelsea when they wore their new jersey Adomba <laughs> uh, Ike Ima says so CK wants to tell Ghanaians that the goalkeeper is better than Kotoko and housekeepers eh? mm, very weak team zero dedication and there's one thing that's running through I've seen a number of people talking about dedication to the game and Hans, I don't know if it's because we normally expect a rush of blood, a bit of adrenaline, you know, uh, rush when there's a new coach and everybody wants to impress the coach. Yeah. It looked like things were not exactly what we expected. Okay. In the so, so I think it's, it's just reflective of the, the, the outcome of the game because um, you've got more experienced players. I don't want to use the word older players, mm. but, you know, established stars, if you like, in the team who didn't... I think, in my opinion, I didn't see the need to do anything extraordinary because, I mean, their places in the team is already cemented. Right. And then you had new players who um, would be... So I'm sure they'll be surprised at the level of quality that they, that they saw mm. in the Malians. It, it was a case of, welcome to the big time. This is international football, you know, because I don't think that Kamaldin... Um, knew what to expect going into this game. Mm. He hasn't played at this level before. Mm. You understand me? It's one thing playing at a youth level. When you step up to the senior national team, you are going to play against established, you know, international. Yeah, you are going to play like Jiku a, and exactly. the were all, you know, they, 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 were, they were surprised by the, the quality that yeah. they, you know, they saw. They saw yeah. And so, if you've got young players who are coming through and not really stepping up to the plate and um, existing players who don't see the need to really break their backs to impress the, 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 the new coach, 
Hans, just a final question, and then you take it up there um, clearly because I'll be moving on uh, to the other topics. Hans, just the, the, the final one. So, how do we handle this? It's Siki's first game. He's not really been in camp with the boys so much. I mean, how do we take this forward? And why should we be worried and not be too worried? But I mean, I don't think we have to take stock of the individual, individual performances. Yeah. Um, if there is anything to worry about, it has to come from the output of the individual players. Mm. Um, did they have an off day? Mm. Were they simply poor? Mm. What was their form coming into this game? Yeah. I think that would also be a factor. Yeah. Um, and then, secondly, not press the panic button. I think mm. that, I think that is important. It's important. To be fair to see here, it's just there's a wake-up call he needed. Exactly. You know that there's work he to be done. Knows. He knows. I think that this is not indicative of the team yeah. so much as it is about how much work that he's got to do. When he has the remaining component, I'm talking about the core of the team, mm. back, yeah. you know, we'll get a better picture of how well, or, you know, the team will play or where the team are exactly because mm. um, I think that Mubarak Kwakasu walks straight into the stars in yeah. level of the Black Stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about Jonathan Mensah, but he's one of the experienced players. Mm. Mm. There are quite a number of players who can, you know, easily walk into the stars. Mohamed Kudus is one of our hottest properties yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. wasn't in this team. Mm. So, yes, um, Let's not press the panic button yet. We'll do but, all the but, analysis. But the warning is clear. The, the, the warning is there. I yes. think what, and, and like I said, this shows just how much work CK Akona has, has got to, to do. do. Yeah. If all the experienced players are not performing mm. on the first assignment of the coach, if they don't see the need to impress the coach, then that is worrying. You know, because it sends a certain message to the players, mm. the new players who are coming in, that mm. I probably don't need to do too much yeah. to remain in this team. This mm. is the standard that existing players are playing. I probably don't need to do, you know, break my back. I probably don't need to show any extraordinary level of commitment to yeah. be able to get into yeah. the team. But yeah. I think the older players are supposed to be sending a message to the new players. Because mm. look, they are coming for your positions. That's right. And that is a reality. Mm. You look at the performance of Mohamed Kudus, and anybody within that midfield, that's, that central midfield of the Black Stars, has to be looking over his shoulders. Mm. If you get a jersey and you don't perform, a young player is coming for your jersey. And I, I'm praying and hoping that some of these calls, Siki Akono is going to be bold enough to, to make, make some them. of these calls. In any case, mm. the team is in transition. That's the right. Black Stars team is changing. We are seeing Christian Achunod in the team. Yeah. If he gets a club in Europe and he starts performing, he's likely to, to get back into the team. How old is he? Mm. How old is Andre Dede are you? Mm. You know, they've got at best four years for the Black Stars. Yeah. By the next four years, we should be facing them out. Mm. And that, that probably is also the problem. We need to be forward-thinking. CK has to be forward-thinking. Don't panic. Stick to your plan. And I'm talking the long-term plan, mm. Mm. you know, of getting Ghana into the World Cup. Baby, win the 2021 Afcon. And make the tough decisions. He has to be able to make the tough decisions. That's the key thing. The, the, the older players who do not perform, Drop put them, them aside. Mm. Give the younger ones an opportunity. The likes of Kudus and Kamaldin have shown that if you are if you are good enough, you are old enough, mm. and that for me has to be the policy of CK Akono. There's definitely more to come, you know, on football. Hans is going to stay with me uh, as we quickly go into boxing. More football to come. Hans did mention, in fact, uh, about Christian Achu and all of that. There's some news uh, on Christian Achu uh, from John Bennett when he joins us with the BBC uh, series. But now Hans sticks with me as we do the boxing. This Friday will not d disappoint. It is for the vacant WBO featherweight title. Emmanuel Vaquero Navarrete, 32 and 1 with 28 knockouts, taking on Ruben the Drac via the fourth, 18 and 0, five knockouts. As always, this is boxing. This is top rank. 
It goes down Friday, October 9th. 4.15 are the undercards on ESPN+. Plus. 7 o'clock on ESPN, the network. It is Navarrete Villa for the vacant WBO featherweight title. Friday, October 9th. As always, this is boxing. This is top rank. Mexican puncher Imano Navarrete will attempt to become a two-weight world champion as he challenges for the vacant WBO featherweight title left behind by Shakur Stevenson. Opposing Navarrete will be California's Ruben Villa, who has fought nowhere near world level, but is unbeaten and ends his shot following a spell as WBO international champion. Navarrete moves up to featherweight after five successful defenses of his WBO belt at the Super Bantamweight, although he did make a feather debut. That was struck from the records back in June. So let's get some perspective ahead of the bout. Navarrete will be hoping satisfies his dream of adding a world title in a second weight to his collection. Let's get some analysis right now. Joining me is my colleague Hans Mensa And Hans, thank you very much for your time on the show. Yeah, no Ghanaians involved here, but we're very much aware of the exploits of a man who handed Isaac Dugway a boxing lesson. Navarrete has moved up featherweight. How comfortable will he be? Well, George, the name Imano Navarrete has become synonymous with Ghana boxing um, because of those two defeats he handed to Isaac Dogbe. And since then, since the second fight, or maybe even the first fight, he hasn't looked back. Now, he's, um, over the last one year, fought six times, and all of them have ended in stopping. Navarrete is moving up in weight to the featherweight ranks. So, um, he's looking to capture a second world title in as many divisions so um uh, it, it's just you know put into perspective the f- contrasting fortunes of Dobe and Navarrete after um those two fights doesn't it in terms of how comfortable he's going to be i tell you what he's going to be very very comfortable um Navarrete was a was a huge super bantam weight we saw the size disparity between himself and Isaac Dobe in those two fights and he's going to be a huge featherweight he makes the featherweight quite easily. You know, he has no issues whatsoever making the featherweight limit, but he's going to come in quite bigger than his opponent. The much talked about reach advantage he's had over several opponents is still going to be there against Ruben Vea. And you expect him to use it. So the question a lot of people are asking ahead of this fight is whether Ruben Vea will be able to succeed where six others have failed. What do we know of the challenger, Ruben Villa, then? So, Ruben Villa, very accomplished amateur. Um, you know, what people point to is his amateur fight against Shakur Stevenson. Now, Shakur Stevenson is one of the hottest young boxers today. He's um, destined for greatness. Um, look, if you mention the top five young boxers today, Shakur Stevenson is one of them, alongside Javonta Davis alongside Devin Herney. These are the boys who are making boxing thick currently. So people point to his exploit against Shakur Stevenson and the report is that he gave Shakur Stevenson a run for his money in the amateur ranks. He is the one person who was beating Shakur Stevenson in the amateur ranks. Never mind that Shakur was able to get victory against him in the United States Olympic trials. But if you look at the head-to-head record in the amateur ranks between Shakur Stevenson and Ruben Villa, Villa is actually on top. And that is what people point to and make the point that he is a very, very good boxer. 18 fight, no defeat, but he's got only five knockouts to his name. And this is what people point to 
um, as far as this fight against Navarrete is concerned? Well, Hans, how is this question, of course, ahead of bouts? Where will this be won or lost? And, of course, you have to add your predictions. A lot of people, and I share in that opinion, don't see Ruben Villa winning on the scorecards against Emmanuel Navarrete, primarily because Navarrete, with his long reach, is going to be fighting from a distance. He's a pressure fighter. He won't get too close for Villa to be able to land punches, but he's going to be scoring punches with his long reach. If he cannot knock out Emmanuel Navarrete, as his knockout ratio suggests, five from 18 fights, then... He doesn't stand a chance of winning against Emmanuel Navarrete. So, I don't see Ruben Villa as good as he seems to be. And I've watched him. He's a decent boxer. Um, you know, he knows that ring quite well. He knows what he's doing inside the ring. But it comes down to the physical attributes of the two boxers in Navarrete and Ruben Villa. It's simple. Navarrete has a size advantage. He has a reach advantage. He's used it um, in the last one year. He used it in those two fights against Isaac Dugbe. He's not going to change. For Emmanuel Navarrete, it's as if when he starts punching, his, his heart is going to stop. You know, he's such a pressure fighter, it makes it difficult for you to think. He doesn't stop throwing punches. And that is where the difficulty is going to be for Ruben Villa. Will he be able to counter what is thrown at him? Guess what also? Look, Dogbe was a, is, is much of a hard hitter than Ruben Villa. And yet, he couldn't score a knockout against Emmanuel Navarrete. Navarrete virtually walked through the punches of Isaac Dogwe. And so, you know, as far as the physical strength goes, you've got Navarrete ahead of this one. And I think that after the contest, it's Emmanuel Navarrete, two years on after beating Isaac Dogwe to win the bantamweight title, will be a two-division world champion. Yeah, Franz Mensa under there with analysis. So we look forward to that. Of course, next week we'll get hands back on. There are big bouts to come and there's so much to talk about. Let's move away from boxing now and talk some tennis. I was just telling you about what the male final is looking like right now. For a fact, Rafa Nadal has already beaten Diego Schwartzman in three sets. 6-3, six, 6-3, three, six, three, seven, six. At the moment, Novak Djokovic has got a lot, I mean, a bit of work to do at the moment because he's leading by two sets to one. Setsapas has managed to win the third set. I mean, so 6-3-6-2-7-5. They're now in the fourth set. And I'm sure Setsapas is hoping that he can at least win the fourth set and run this back to the fifth set. So, so much to come there in tennis. That's what the male division is looking like. It's all set though for the female division. And I've been speaking definitely. And we've been having a great chat about that. Good time to get into the analysis of the French Open final. Especially for the female division tomorrow. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. That's been the story of my career. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. I took a year and a half off for, for a baby. So I don't know. It's like I, I'll never be satisfied until until I retire. What a great point to win it. And the French Open Women's Final will be contested between Australian Open winner Sofia Kenning and the Polish teenager Aiga Schwantek. After two contrasting displays in the semi-finals, the 19-year-old Shontek needed only 70 minutes to beat Argentine Nadia Podoroska 6-2-6-1 to reach a first major final. American Kenin overcame the Czech 7th seed Petra Kvitova 6-4-7-5. 4th seed Kenin produced controlled tennis 
but they had to save 10 big points against the two-time Wimbledon winner. She has yet to play Shontek in a, on a main tour, but faced each other on the same stage in juniors four years ago. So ahead of the female singles finals tomorrow, let's get some perspective. And uh, we've been joined right now by the BBC's tennis commentator, Russell Fuller, and British player, Naomi Brody, who is part of the commentary team at Roland Garros. First, Russell, let's start with you. Were you surprised it turned out to be one-sided? No, not really. Nadia Podoroska's been amazing, a revelation at Roland Garros, not just in the main draw, but in qualifying as well. But the way that Iga Swiatek has been playing throughout the 12 days so far has been staggering, and she's proven that she can beat the very best in the world in Simona Halep, and she'd also proved in the quarterfinal that when she's expected to win, as she was when she played qualifier at Martina Trevisan, she's very able to deal with that situation too. And her power was, again, very, very impressive. She is just not making very many errors at all, and just seems to be born for the occasion. We've said that about one or two players in recent years on the women's tour. Bianca Andrescu springs to mind, so too does Naomi Osaka. And Swiatek, without dropping a set, is into her first Grand Slam final. And Naomi, it's been incredible for Shontek from her junior days, hasn't it? It absolutely has, and she's only 19, so she's not long out of juniors. Uh, but it, yeah, as as Russell said, it's just incredible to see these young players coming through and dominating the women's tour so early already. And she's got such a fantastic personality off the court as well. She's just lovely to listen to in, t- in her interviews. And we saw after her match point today, she was really trying to um, have a lot of fun with the crowd and, you know, telling them, I can't hear you, who wants the ball? And trying to hit it out to them and stuff. So she's just great fun. And um, her level today was just incredible impressive yeah she will play Sophie Kenning who beat Petra Kvitova in the final let's hear from Kenning now I've done it in Australia so uh, um, I've had really tough matches this past two weeks so I'm just so excited to be in the finals and uh, I think it's just incredible and I'm just going to enjoy this moment today and start getting ready for the final tomorrow Russell you watched the game was it Kenning on good form or Kvitova out of form she was off form for the first four games, which Kenin won all of, and that may well be nerves. Petra Kvitova said before her quarterfinal that she didn't really want to talk, eat, move or play, but she knew things would get easier once she got onto court. And she certainly loosened up as we got into the match. It was a windy day, which would be not to Petra Kvitova's advantage, being a player who likes to really go for her shots. You'd really want to try and exclude the elements if you possibly can. After that, though, she played well, some very powerful, aggressive winners. But what was most impressive about Sophia Kenin was just her resilience. She saved a lot of break points. She did stumble a little bit towards the end. She served for the match and she was broken and she looked very nervous as she finally held her serve. But take nothing away from her. This is a player who only won her first Grand Slam in Melbourne in January. And having reached the fourth round of the US Open, here she is in the French Open final too. What a year. Yeah, Russell, I know she comes across as she had to fight so hard to be in the final, certainly before facing Petra Kvitova anyway. Uh, well, now, I mean, in terms of personalities, it's quite a contrast as well. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be a fantastic final. I just hope that the match lives up to its potential because it's definitely too close to call at the moment. And as Kenin said there after her match, they, they played each other in juniors at Roland Garros here. And I think she said Sviantec was the one to come out on top there, but she's the one going in with the experience as a Grand Slam winner. Um, and this, this is new waters for Sviantec, but it, it's definitely too close to call. But that is quite a 
position for Iga Swiatek to be in. She's 54 in the world, remember. She's not been in this position before, but yet both Naomi and I think she has at least a 50-50 chance. Thanks to British player Naomi Brady and the BBC tennis commentator Russell Fuller. We look forward to the male final as well. And we're keeping close tabs on it. As you know, remember you can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 0551 You're still on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. International break means that there's so much football to savor when it comes to the qualifiers, when it comes to World Cup qualifiers in South America, when it comes to European games, friendlies and more. I can see more of your messages coming up. Of course, I've seen that. Yes, you're sending us your messages and you're still talking about Sikia, Kono and the boys and what they did. There's definitely more football to come right now, though. It's a quick time to get into Formula One. It's lights out and away we go. So Hamilton gets away well, as does Max Verstappen this week. But Valtteri Bottas is already ahead of him. And Danny Ricciardo slots in the fourth and Esteban Ocon has made up places from the start as well. It's a long run down towards turn two. Plenty of time to sort themselves out. in the last three Russian Grand Prix. He's on the podium this afternoon and it's the top step of the podium as Valtteri Bottas wins the Russian Grand Prix. He now starts to close the gap in the championship to his teammate. Max Verstappen finishes second for Red Bull and another super drive from him. And for Lewis Hamilton, third place. It's a podium, not the record equaling win that he would have hoped for when he started from pole. Bottas, Verstappen, Hamilton... Seven years after Formula One last visited the Norribank Ring, the series returns to the historic venue for the Eiffel Grand Prix. 2013 marked the last time the venue hosted the race, part of its deal to alternate the German Grand Prix with Hockenheim. Sebastian Vettel, of course, was a victor on that day, if you do remember. So this will be a second chance Lewis Hamilton gets to equal Michael Schumacher's win record, and there's arguably no better place to do so than at the seven-time champion's home ground. Now, Lewis Hamilton heads into the race after an off weekend in Russia where Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas took the top step after pre-race penalties left Hamilton third. Max Verstappen uh, was the one who benefited, recording another podium finish to split the Mercedes, while the battle in midfield took another twist with McLaren failing to score. So, what kind of race should we expect? And we will begin the analysis definitely by reflecting on the last time out in Sochi. Joining me now with some analysis from the one commentators, Jolan Palmer, and Jack Nichols, as well as our in-house expert, Raymond Nyamado. Thanks, guys, for your time. Let me start with you, Jack, and from Sochi. And driving in the race was not plain sailing for Lewis Hamilton. So, did Butas impress you with the win? Um, I can't say not very, because that's because he's won a Grand Prix. And he wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, of course. But it's a, it's a straightforward win, isn't it? And he finishes seven seconds ahead of Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. He was never under pressure at any point so there's not really a huge amount to, to, to sort of praise Bottas for initially we thought he was very impressive on the run down to turn two uh, at the start of the Grand Prix because he really sent it to the outside of Hamilton but then he revealed that that was an accident he missed his braking spot because he got hit by a bee in, on the visor which you know not ideal and I'm not criticizing him for that but he didn't want to try and overtake Hamilton. That's the that's the thing I don't get with Bottas is he infers that he was hit by this bee, so he ended up having to try and overtake Hamilton. He didn't want like his his plan wasn't to try and overtake Hamilton. Then, yeah, that that's the that's the weird influence I get from that is oh I didn't mean to outbreak Hamilton at turn two. Well then why didn't why didn't you you had the run you had the what 
what was the target going to be. But, you know, good drive from Bottas. He won by seven seconds. He did all that he could do today, to be fair. He maximised his, his results and he chips away 11 points at the championship lead. Well, Julian, I know you are a known critic of Valtteri Bottas. Did his performance surprise you in any way? Well, I, I actually really liked when he said it before in, Aus- in Australia. And look, potentially before in Australia, I was again a bit of a critic. But who, who wasn't at the end of his 2018 season? Because mm. his 2018 season was, he finished fifth in the driver's standings. Ch- Hamilton won at a canter and Bottas had a really mediocre season in 2018. The critics, there, there, were, there were many that were saying, look, he's being blown away by Hamilton every weekend. He turned up in Australia last year. He won the race and he said that message and I thought, brilliant. This is where Bottas 2.0 came from. You thought, right. In a fair fight with Hamilton. In, a, in a, what appeared to be a fair fight with Hamilton. Turned out, I think that Hamilton had a bit of floor damage, but it appeared to be a fair fight and he drove away and he, and he said that radio message. And I thought, wow, this guy has had a winter of soul searching. He's turned up to Australia, a new man. Bottas 2.0 was born. And, you, and I thought, great. He's got fighting in this year and that's what I want to see. This year, he's not shown the fight on the track. He did accidentally show the fight down at turn two. But the radio message seems a bit... uh, It's a bit over the top, isn't it? Jack, we know the FIA has rescinded the two penalty points it issued to Lewis Hamilton at the Russian Grand Prix, clearly moving the world champion away from the brink of the one-race ban. Hamilton was handed two separate five-second penalties for an incident ahead of the race where he conducted practice starts away from the area designated to do so. Lewis, we have a 10-second time penalty for those start infringements. What happened? What happened? Sorry, Lewis. So, yes, uh, those starts going to the grid got a five-second penalty for each out of position. So uh, that was Pete Bennington speaking on the radio with Lewis Hamilton. Amazing it has been rescinded. But it was pretty clear in the racing books, right, uh, Jack? Article 19.2 of the race director's uh, notes specifically. Um, yeah, you, you're not allowed to... It's, it's one of those where I wasn't really aware of it as a rule because I'm never really analysing people's practice starts or where they do them or... It's just an irrelevance because it's all the drivers know the rules so that's where they do their practice start. So I kind of wasn't even aware that it was illegal. So when he did it and he was under investigation you're suddenly like, oh, okay, what, what are the rules? And obviously Jolian instantly was like, well, no, you do your practice start in the practice start box. That's just where you do it. And then time penalty given, there we go. It's a big... It's quite a big error actually from um, Mercedes and from Hamilton. Where the pit lane closing in Monza was kind of a tight one. You know, it had just closed. They didn't spot it had closed. Okay, fine. It's quite different to this kind of premeditated decision to do something that they should have known. Well, Julian, to make the mistake twice was an interesting one. I know there are many people working for Mercedes. No one recognized that fact. Is the onus of the driver to know what is right or really on the team? I, I put the onus of, of reading the rules, making sure that the rules are followed. I mean, to be fair, why shouldn't the driver do it? But it's on the team, fundamentally. And uh, and Lewis did ask Pete Bonington if he could do that. And Pete Bonington gave the A-firm message. Yes, you can. That he shouldn't have done. And that was the error, I think, mainly for Pete Bonington in this case. You, you, you can't do it. No one else did it. I don't think anyone else was asking to do it, but... Lewis was trying to just do something a bit different once again. He does flirt with the rules in many cases. Um, and, yeah, this time he, he basically broke it. I think it's mainly on the team. But um, Lewis was the only one to ask that question, really, I think, which put the team in a, in a hard position. 
All right, uh, Jalen Palmer, you're a proper Formula One driver, of course, uh, with your fantastic days in the sport. I just want to know, was Germany the coldest of places for you? Snet, surely it's got to be Snetterton at some point. Nah, I've done a, I've done a winter series race at Snetterton in sort of end of November time, and that must be up there. I've driven in like icy conditions at Snetterton yeah. also, but not raced in them. That was like winter testing. Interesting weekend at Nurburgring, mm. just because the weather is the tyres won't work. It's a kind of a good old school track. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. I think. All right, let's bring in our in-house expert then, Raymond Yamado. Uh, you predicted the last race wasn't going to be the record equal in Grand Prix there for uh, Hamilton. Will this be, and you may want to end with your predictions for the Eiffel race. I still think that the only way to stop Lewis Hamilton is to make sure he gets those penalties. And if Lewis Hamilton doesn't self-destruct in races, definitely his good value to actually win in every race that he competes in the season. And so I'm expecting him to do well at the new ball ring. Um, the, he didn't fare too well in his last race in 2013. And I think that was the last time we saw a race at the new ball ring. And uh, it was Sebastian Vettel who actually topped the charts. Um, Kimi Raikkonen came in second and Grosjean also came in third. And so I'm expecting Lewis Hamilton, who finished fifth in that particular race, to come good this time around. And so so everything points to a Lewis Hamilton victory this weekend. Uh, despite the fact that Mercedes reported uh, an incident of COVID, uh, an incident of COVID nineteen, I still think that um, the camp should be calm. The camp should be focused on this race. And there's a bit of talk about the weather in Eiffel at the moment. It's pretty cold. It's extremely cold in there. And the connoisseurs are actually predicting a very, very cold race. One that would be very cold. That can actually be uh, one that many would say um, in recent times has been the coldest in Formula 1 history. And so um, I think that a lot of dynamics could play out. Depending on how the weather goes, it could actually have an impact on the results as well. And so we are expecting to have a very good race uh, in Germany. Uh, but I think that my money is definitely going to be on Lewis Hamilton this time around. I'm expecting him to go out there and perform. Uh, Valtteri Bottas has been able to you know, close the gap on Lewis Hamilton and reduce the championship to 44. But I'm expecting him to also put in a safe competition in there. I'm expecting the usual candidates in there, uh, Max Verstappen as usual, to also come in there uh, with a shout. The mid-table race, you know, we see Racing Point and the likes also try to do their own thing in there. But I still think that I'm not going to give Ferrari any chance in this race because they haven't really fared too well uh, in the course of the season. Despite the fact that Vettel has experience on that circuit, I still don't fancy Ferrari winning this or, you know, managing a podium finish. So, I'll still go for Lewis Hamilton winning this race. Valtteri just make him in second and definitely Red Bull should have Max Verstappen also finish with a good position in this race so um, I think Lewis Hamilton would be able to equal Michael Schumacher's record this weekend Raymond Yamada there with analysis and we look forward to the IFL Grand Prix inside Germany that should be a lot there as well we'll be keeping a tabs on the viewing parties down here in Ghana as they continue to do their wonderful job the Formula 1 viewing party uh, definitely happening across the length and breadth of the country so much to look forward to then alright now let's talk about the NBA it's a toss up when we get in the finals you know we, we, we're not backing down from anybody and that's what I like about this team well congratulations to you I know that trophy's going to get a lot of love tonight. Congratulations to all you guys. You earned this one the hard way. Headed to the NBA Finals, your Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat. But we understand that we got bigger fish to fry. Um, we understand there's a bigger goal. Um, but we can't take this for granted because this doesn't happen every year to, to anybody. Congratulations, LeBron. Enjoy your right, fun night, you. everybody. Your Western Conference champions, Los Angeles Lakers. Talking about, it looks like it's going to be a sweep. But they're saying we are not done yet. 
It'll be a 24-second violation. Morris inbounds to Caruso. The Miami Heat, their title hopes are still alive. With one of the more surprising results in a finals game in a long, long time. An 11-point victory. Well, that was really when they managed to at least get a game back when everyone said it was going to be a total sweep. Where are we right now? The LA Lakers are still in the lead against the Miami Heat. It's 3-1 in the final series. Well, they've got an opportunity tonight to just grab it once and for all. LeBron James is looking for his fourth ring. Will he grab that? What will the Miami Heat have to say about all of this? And definitely we'll be keeping a close tabs on that with everything that happens and we'll bring you analysis. Remember, the sports arena is on Sunday and there'll be a lot to talk about when we get there. So much there to go through. I was telling you as well. So uh, we look forward to the NBA. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in game five between the Lakers and Miami Heat. I'm definitely sure uh, yeah, the likes of LeBron James, Anthony Davis will be hoping to get the job done. What has the like or what the likes of uh, Jimmy Butler got in their banks? Um, let's see what they've got there. It's going to be absolutely tight but if he ends up being the Lakers yeah then yeah we'll go we'll go with the story shall we let's get back into football right now though just have to remind you again if you're just messing things out in terms of updates and chasing the results in the various sports in football the friendly game between Ghana and Mali ended three goals to nil against Ghana Hans was here to do a bit of the analysis on that for us yeah there's more to come on France Zone on the Joy News channel on Multi TV and you want to pay some close attention to that Michelle Quino is here with me he'll be quickly going through the rest of the friendlies that are ongoing because we know at least in South America I can tell you that the World Cup qualifiers are very much on. Argentina beat Ecuador, that was last night, and we're still going to see some coming from Colombia. So, yeah, we're looking at the friendly games right now that are ongoing. Let's just have a look at it very, very quickly. The friendly games ongoing. Let's look at the friendly games ongoing very quickly. Uh, just see what we've got. Okay, so, Bishal, what have you got there? So, in the international friendlies, the game between Nigeria and Ivory Coast was cancelled, and Japan drew 0-0 Cameroon. And the match between Kenya and Zambia also looks to have been cancelled. Kenya beat Zambia by two goals to one. Tunisia beat Sudan by three goals to nil. Burkina Faso also recorded a three-goal three uh, win margin over DR Congo. Gambia won one nil over Congo. Ghana lost, as we already know, to Mali by three goals to nil. Yeah, you need, need to remind us. You need to remind us anyway. Yeah, our <laughs> Mauritania beat Sierra Leone by two goals to one. The game between Morocco and Senegal is currently in the 82nd minute. Morocco winning by two goals to nil. And Nigeria is... Losing by a goal to nil to Algeria, and that game is currently in the 53rd minute. It's important to note that all these games are just right there, the build up for the special qualifiers that are going to be coming up late in the month. So, we're going to keep our, our taps on that in November. I must say, Ghana is going to be playing against Sudan, and you have to trust Joy Sports to get you all of that. So, yes, let's get it out of the way. I was just trying to check again what's happening uh, between Novak Djokovic there and uh, Stefano Setepas. I told you he was two sets up in the third set. It looked very much like the young man was coming so strong. He won the third set and really is rallying this into the fourth set. But can he win the fourth set? That's a big one to ask there. It's right now for all in the fourth set. So, uh, Stefano Setepas is definitely on some run here. Let's see if he's able to finally break down Novak Djokovic. I remember Karina Busta complained so much about Novak Djokovic and, and all the antics about, you know, 
all the antics he gets into when he's about losing a game and all of that. But you know, Novak says, when I'm not well, I'm not well. If I have to see my doctors, I'm going to see my doctors. If I need to take a medical break, I will take a medical break. Let's see how this one pans out. Rafa Nadal is waiting for the winner of Novak Djokovic versus Stefano Cetrapas. Now time, though, to get into more football and the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. I've been having a great chat there with the BBC's John Bennett. Enjoy this. Thanks, John, for a time this weekend. And there's no better place to begin than with a just-ended transfer window. So, Ghanaian perspective then, and Thomas Partey made the biggest move to Arsenal on transfer deadline day. How much will Partey help Arsenal in solving their problems? Yeah, I think it's a terrific signing. I'm sure the Arsenal fans in Ghana are very, very excited. I mean, you guys know more about him than me, having watched him play more, I'm sure, for the Ghana national team. I've been lucky enough to see him play. Africa Cup of Nations tournaments and for Atletico Madrid a couple of times but you know he's, he's a wonderful player um, he can dictate play from a kind of uh, deep lying midfield position can't he long passes short passes he's able to carry the ball though he can surge forward with the ball he can get around the pitch wing to wing box to box brilliant tackler brilliant at intercepting the ball very versatile midfielder and a really good personality as well you talk to his teammates very confident guy friendly guy will settle in straight away to the Arsenal dressing room and apparently be one of the leaders as well Uh, if you talk to some of his teammates he's got that natural leadership ability as well so I really feel that um, it's a brilliant addition to Arsenal I was surprised I thought they were going to miss out on Thomas Partey I thought going into deadline day that they'd miss out on Hussein Awa and Thomas Partey in the end they did miss out on the, the Leon player but they went for the Atletico Madrid player and I think it means that Arsenal are a real force this season I'm not saying title but I'm saying top four is definitely a possibility for Arsenal this season John what would your ideal Arsenal starting lineup be like if you were in Ateta's shoes and with emphasis on who partners Thomas Partey in the midfield and why well I think it's a brilliant option there's talk that he might go to 4-3-3 now um, Mikel Arteta to have um, Thomas Partey in a midfield or maybe with Granite, Granite Xhaka with Danny Ceballos you've got you could put him alongside El Elneny as well to have a bit more solidity there you could stick with the 3-4-3 have him alongside a, a Granite Xhaka or a Danny Ceballos I think he just gives you so much so many options he can play in a number of positions in midfield we've seen him haven't we play, play for Ghana in a more advanced attacking midfield role I think he is better deep line because he's very intelligent he can dictate the play so it just it's just another option for Mikel Arteta but I do feel he'll start I think he's going to start if all goes well in the international break he gets back fit and healthy I, I think he'd start the first game if I was Mikel Arteta just throw him straight in there I think he'll adapt straight away Manchester United had to react on transfer deadline day after losing 6-1 to Spurs at home their defence is in shambles the team is looking like they need a shift they need a lift badly in the last two Premier League games, before we talk about the change expected from the new signings, John, is Ole getting the best out of his assembled squad? That is a very interesting question, George. I think you phrased it really well there because the thing about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is he has a lot of friends in the media. You think about the pundits in uh, the UK, the likes of Gary Neville, 
Uh, Paul Scholes sometimes pops up. Uh, Roy Keane even. They are friends with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and they like him. So it's going to take a long time before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's coaching is criticised. People talk about the board and yes, they have made some huge errors in terms of the transfer strategy. I don't think they've done Ole Gunnar Solskjaer any favours whatsoever. How they've not brought in a centre-back, I just can't believe it. Uh, and there are other faults as well. You have to look at the players. I don't think some of the players are playing to the best of their ability. But at some point, we're going to have to see that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not getting the best out of his players. At some point, you're going to have to look to his coaching. They had a brilliant end to last season. Listen, let me say that. They had a brilliant end to last season. I was there when they beat Leicester on the final day of the season to get into the top four. So that shows that he has an ability to do well with his team. But if the results keep on going badly, then I think the focus should come to him at some point. The trouble is, are you really solving the problem when you keep getting rid of managers, when you get rid of Moyes, when you get rid of Van Gaal, when you get rid of Mourinho, when you get rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? At some point, you're going to have to realise that the problems run deeper. But I do think there are questions to be asked about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's coaching, without a doubt. So yes, former PSG striker Edison Cavani, Brazilian Alex Tellez and Diallo all signed on the final day for international transfers. What change will the trial bring to United? Looking at the actual players, I think they're really good players. I think we can, you know, let's not, the, the two younger guys, I think they're for the future. I don't think they're going to have a massive impact just yet. One of them signing in January, isn't he? Edinson Cavani is a wonderful, wonderful player. Ultra competitive, brilliant goal scoring record. Um, he's a team player. He defends from the front. The trouble is fitness issues and his age. He's 33. He hasn't played for seven months. How fit is he going to be? Um, how much time is he going to take to adapt to English football? But I do think, you know, he's a wonderful player. Why didn't they get him in earlier? That's the big question I would ask if they wanted him. Alex Tellez, again, uh, is, a, is, a, is a really good, good left back. Brilliant left foot. I wouldn't let him shoot from outside the box because he's got a rocket of a shot. Um, and a decent defender as well. So you look at the, the actual players they brought in, they're not bad players. I think they could make a difference. But the transfer strategy is just bizarre at Manchester United. There doesn't seem to be any planning there. Since his move to Southampton, John, we haven't seen Mohamed Salah to feature for the team. What more do you know with regards to his recuperation and uh, with the domestic transfer still open? What's next for Christian Achu? On Salisu, uh, the Southampton boss, Ralph Arsenhutl, spoke about uh, him this week. He said that he had been part of the first team training, but he's going he's gonna to give him all the time he needs, is the quotation from Arsenhutl. He arrived from Real Valladolid um, back in August, four-year contract. But he's yet to make his debut. Uh, continues to get up to speed with his new club. I think it's, it's a bit of a fitness issue, a bit of a settling in issue as well. And... Hasenutl saying it, it takes time he's more and more part of our first team training he's coming back we'll, we'll give him all the time he needs he made 32 appearances in all competitions in La Liga last season so hopefully he gets a, gets, gets a chance after the international break on Christian Atshu the interesting thing is that um, the deadline for clubs to sign players from uh, abroad in England is over but there's still the ability to sell players to clubs in the EFL, so the lower leagues in England. So Christian Atchew could drop down to the Championship before uh, the deadline day, next Friday. Watford are being talked about possibly as a team that he could join. 
So there's still a chance that Christian actually could get out of Newcastle. I think he needs to leave to get first-team football. Steve Bruce is treating him very well, the Newcastle manager. He's looking after him. He's not forcing him to play with the youth team or train with the youth team. But for, for I think for his own career, Christian Atshu should be looking maybe to drop down to the championship, take a step back to possibly take a step, two steps forward in a year or so. So, John, the country club route has been interesting to watch with clubs coming up with so many excuses to prevent the players from travelling outside the bubble for international games or friendly games. How complicated does this get? And is there any way of taking care of the concerns of the clubs? It's really tricky, George. We talked about this on our programme. I spoke to the Secretary-General of Pro earlier this week on one of our BBC programmes. And he was saying there's going to be a bit of, um, a bit of trouble when the players go back to their clubs at the end of this international break. Say you arrive back on a Thursday, you have to play on a Saturday. You're going to have to have a test when you leave your international team and then you're going to have to have a test when you arrive at your club. Will they get the results back quick enough? How many are going to test positive? It could lead to chaos and we've already seen it with uh, Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney was with the Scotland squad, the Arsenal defender, remember. Stuart Armstrong, the Scotland player, tested positive. And Kieran Tierney was playing PlayStation with Stuart Armstrong, so he was identified as a close contact. So that means he has to, has to self-isolate for 14 days. So as it stands at the moment, he's set to miss Arsenal's game against Manchester City. So having these international matches during this pandemic is going to cause a huge amount of problems. That aside, Ghana just ended a friendly against Mali. Uh, which friendly games and uh, special European games are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, good luck to Ghana. Great to see uh, the Black Stars back in action. I've really missed seeing the African teams playing. So good luck to Ghana today. That'll be an interesting game. The games I'm looking forward to this weekend are the UEFA Nations League games. Um, some, you know, the UEFA Nations League is not a glamorous competition, but you've got some ha- quite heavyweight clashes. Um, let's start in Germany and Spain's group. Germany playing Ukraine. They haven't picked up a victory yet in the Nations League this season, Germany. Uh, the likes of Neuer, Kroos, Kimmich, Werner and Gnabry coming back. Spain, uh, they're looking to make it back-to-back wins when they play Switzerland. Ansu Fati, the wonder kid from Barcelona, should start. You've got England playing Belgium on Sunday as well. Harry Kane should start after being rested for the win against Wales, the friendly win on Thursday. You've got the repeat of the Euro 2016 final. France taking on Portugal in Nations League A Group 3. Um Portugal and France have a 100% record so far. And you've got other interesting games like Poland against Italy, Bosnia-Herzegovina against the Netherlands, who of course have a new head coach. So for me, the games I'll be watching this weekend will be the Nations League games. All right, the BBC's John Bennett there, the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. And yes, definitely so much there. You know, to watch And uh, it's good stuff Okay, so We've got some great games To uh, go right to it I was just trying to get Some of the updates coming in And I was just telling you About it Again uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas Right now Leading five games to four In the fourth set It's uh, Novak Djokovic Who has two sets already To the one of Stefanos Tsitsipas So that's what we've got for you Just about time to say Bye-bye to you Our time is up now and, But I was going to remind you uh, Of what we've got for you This weekend so can we start with the fan zone later tonight on Joy News? We'll be talking a lot more about the Ghana Zero Mali 3. Tomorrow morning, we've got the sports review on the Joy News channel. Uh, you need to join us from 7 a.m. till 8.30. We're talking, 
you know, heavy sports. And then later on Saturday, we've got uh, the sports link here on radio. And Sunil will be over it. Heavy issues discussing the Black Stars and, uh, you know, issues with transfers and all that we've seen, how much we're managing, you know, the transition of our players. We'll talk about that. Then later in the evening on Saturday, we've got scoreboard for you. And you need to watch out again all the results at the end of the weekend, of course, on Saturday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. We'll be there for you on scoreboard. On Sunday, we have the Sports Arena. Gary Osmet will be here with the team to take you through all that we've got. But remember, on Sunday, we start at 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. My name is George Adegine. It's been a pleasure doing the show uh, with Mishael Quino, with uh, Hans Mensah and the entire Joy Sports team, powering this and ensuring that we came your way with all that we needed to. I must tell you, it's going to be difficult, difficult, difficult for Novak Djokovic. Just when I turned... It looks like Stefano Sisbat has taken the fourth set. We are going right into a fifth set at the moment to decide who will play against Rafa Nadal. Yeah, you can find a good place to watch this. It's really, really great. It's just about time to step out right now. And it's almost started, yes? Okay, so we'll see how it all goes. My name is George.